Today's episode of In the Trenches is brought to you by System 12 Guitar Method. Sign up today at RyanRoxy.com. In the Trenches with Ryan Roxy. Hello, 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 and welcome to another live stream episode of In the Trenches. I am your host, Ryan Roxy. What is happening? My voice sounds a little bit low today. That's cool. All right. I'm loving it. Um, what am I doing here? I'm getting ready for tour. And I was telling our guests before I went on that this is my last week of just like non-maintenance. All right. You know, next week when you see us out there on the Alice Cooper tour, I'll trim the beard up. Maybe I'll put a little bit of, I don't know, pencil in there. I don't know. You know, smoke and mirrors, folks, smoke and mirrors. But that's what we are here at In the Trenches. We're all smoke and mirrors. And if you are not seeing us, that means you are listening to us on one of the audio broadcasts. Thank you very much for doing that. But where we really want you is in our YouTube official channel. That's Ryan Roxy official on our YouTube. Hit that subscribe button right there. This is your first time watching our podcast because we love for you to not just see us, but be part of the live chat that each and every week is uh, bubbling bubbling with comments and it's a cool community out there and like i say when we go out on the road um we take that community out on the road with us but if you can't make it out to a show because you're halfway around the world you always have us here in the trenches and uh, we become one big family uh through show after show and rock show after rock show so let's dive into it what do you say because today's one of those days where i get to talk about one of my favorite things alice cooper history why is it one of my favorite things? Because I'm part of it. <laughs> and our, our guest today knows a thing or two about the ACB legacy. So much so, we are here to talk about the documentary, Alice Cooper, Killer at 50, The Tale of the Octopus and the Snake. But that's not all we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about um, their media company um, that they have. Her and her husband have a media company that they just put together uh, a few years ago called The Rocks Network. That's uh, doing really good work, stuff like what we're doing right now, podcast, trying to get the word of um, rock and roll music out there and uh, carrying the torch, if you will. And of course, we might dip our toe into the world of the occult. So would you please welcome into the trenches, Carrie Ann Grove. Hello, Carrie. Hi, Ryan, and a very good morning to you. Well, it's... Is it morning for you? Because you're in the UK, no, right? No, it's just coming up to a very early evening for us. All right. So, so I was going to say this: this Roxy old fashioned is doesn't scream good morning. It's not a it's not a Bloody Mary. Let me tell you that, folks. <laughs> it's five o'clock somewhere. Mm. Exactly. That's what I always say. <laughs> you are in the UK, uh, Carrie. Indeed. And uh, I can tell you are in your studio right now um, yes. that you have with Rocks Media Group. Um, I'm going to talk about Rocks Media Group, um, but we like to do this thing called going back to get forward because we have to find a little bit out about the past so we can concentrate on the present and the future. So, Vic, what do you say? Go ahead. I'm almost professional and i'm on right on it on the animation and everything i think i even got cut off because i wasn't expecting to go that that quickly uh going back to get forward but uh the fact that you are in the uk um you were born in the west midlands so that's right explain to me where that is that right for if i say to you birmingham 
uh, in right in the centre of the United Kingdom. Literally, Wolverhampton, where where I was born and live, is the exact centre of the UK. Okay, so um, all you really so, had to say then, you know, you could just said KK Downing. And uh, you know, you could you could just yeah. say well, it was where Judas Priest is from. It's where it's where it's, Black Sabbath it is. is from. And it's where KK does still live. He lives literally 30, 40 minutes away from me. Wow. And and Wolverhampton as well, there's I believe uh, the guitars from the move. Um Ron Wood. Yeah. Ron Wood lives or is from around that area because i remember playing a club in wolverhampton where they actually had a ron wood room around a ron wood sort of lounge if you will that had a bunch of pictures around him uh, of him around it's still uh, there today there it is you know that club i'm talking about oh very well it's it's called the robin two in bilston and it's um bilston sort of part of wolverhampton it's a small small town that's part of Wolverhampton, and um, although they're going to really hate me to say that, <laughs> <laughs> um, it, the Robin Two is is a legendary gig round round, round these year parts because there was See? a Robin One years ago, and now there's a Robin Two. Yes, the the, the the his bar's still there where you can sort of go for a drink before gigs, um, but there's also Noddy Holder's bar inside the venue. But Noddy Holder was the singer with Slade, and he wow. lives right down the road from us as well. So, so it's a potpourri of all the bands that I love, all the different type of styles, from heavy to more glam oriented. Is that where you cut your teeth with with rock and roll? When did you fall in love with rock and roll and reporting on it and just writing about it? When was it that moment? I do have my older brother, William, to thank for that. Um, as a small child, I was your typical small child into pop, and whatever was in the charts at the time was was flavour of the month, as far as I was concerned. And then my brother came, sort of gave an initiation ceremony into the world of rock. He handed me um, Thin Lizzy, Jailbreak, nice. and vinyl, and sort of handed me as if to say, "The banner is now yours, little one." <laughs> It was. He was passing the torch. I love it. Because by then he was interested in girls and partying and the geeking out on all the album sleeves and who recorded what, where. wasn't interesting to him anymore. So I inherited his record collection. And then it just snowballed. I just thought I need to know everything anybody's ever done anywhere and I need to own it. (laughs) It must have been pretty cool to be sort of right there in the mecca of yeah. uh, many of the, those bands that you were had their records in your brother's collection that you had inherited they're literally your next door neighbors yeah yeah you, you, you you'd walk around uh, the shopping precinct of Wolverhampton and literally walking straight past you would be members of Slade or you, you, you sort of half look as if same now it can't be it was well it sounds so much more scholarly these days to say historian but would would you consider yourself a rock historian at this point i've i've become one over the years yes i was enthusiast was what i would have called myself before but over the years i suppose 
I have never become an historian yet because all that knowledge is still around in there. If you had a globe and you called yourself an historian, you you get all these accolades and, and credit. But if you if you just have a thin Lizzie album that's original pressing and you say you're a rock historian, maybe you don't get as much. <laughs> <laughs> But you should. We should have a, a university of classic rock and maybe oh, perhaps you will be an yeah. honorary dean there. What do you say? <laughs> I do totally agree. It, it, so much of, of the history of rock has, has become watered down and sort of we get Chinese whispers these days. And, and it's not really um, people don't necessarily remember what it was like back then, whereas people of a certain age group uh, do remember what these bands were like, what the scene was like, what the venues were like. And um, it's it's people like like myself and Rocks and other other organisations like us that yes, we do um, promote new bands, especially ones coming from the area. That's but great. We also make sure that the history is still rem- very much remembered. Exactly. Um, we were part of um, the home of metal scene, um, which was a celebration a few years ago, um, which celebrated literally the birthplace of heavy metal, which was the Black Country in Birmingham. Nice. And it wasn't just the album covers and the albums no. themselves that were inspiring you. It was some of the people. And we were lucky enough to have journalist Mick Wall on recently on the podcast on In the Trenches. And if you, anybody out there is listening and wants to yes, check me. out our episode of Mick Wall in the Trenches, there he is, folks. Um, but wait a second. He does not like to show himself pictures of him being shaved, Vic. Why did you put up a, a shaved picture? He likes him like when he has a little bit of scruff. All right. I hope he doesn't see it. You know what, Mick? Sorry. That was Vic's fault. He put up an unshaven photo of you. But guess what? Shaven or unshaven? I mean, I'm unshaven right now. It doesn't matter. Um, The thing is, was Mick Wall one of those influences that perhaps inspired you to uh, follow in the footsteps, become a rock historian? Without a doubt. Um. I was around at the time when Sounds magazine and sort of evolved into Karangas as we know and love it these days. And we had um, writers like Mick, like Malcolm Dome, God rest his soul, who died died a couple of years ago now. And Crusher Jewel and the photographers at the time had a way of capturing the moment instead of doing a photo shoot where the background's carefully chosen and everything's just just so for for the media. Mm. It was very much, let's do a photograph of Ozzy Osbourne in a dress on the toilet. Because he would. <laughs> he <laughs> definitely it, it would. And I, and I remember that. that photo. Vic, do you have that photo? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I know right now I can, I can picture, even though I can't see him, he's scrambling the internet to bring, get a picture of that right now. But I'm sure we'll get it in a couple minutes when we're not it, talking about so Ozzy Osbourne. If you can't find it, I'd be very surprised. <laughs> That's but yeah, funny. It, it was that wild and crazy rock and roll way of reporting, of catching the bands right there and then. In all the craziness that was going on, and it made it sound so exciting. And so, I I want to be a musician. I want that. I want to do that. 
And well, B, did you ever play? Are you are you a player yeah. a bit? Well, you play guitar, right? I play guitar, keyboards, bass, and uh, I sing. Still oh, quite nice. badly these days, but nice explorer right there, boy. Yeah. I like that one. That was at um, sort of sequel to the Home of Metal, which was a celebration of Black Sabbath because um, it marked their anniversary of fifty years. Then you should have had an SG. What are you talking about? That's Tony. I guitar, did right? well. Some some <laughs> some young lad had got the SG, and I ah. thought, ah, well. I'll be gracious about it. It's in the family. It's in the Gibson family. It's, it's one Gibson. of the big and, six. And I must confess, I do prefer explorers. Yeah. I just you, find well, them. I find them I, easy. To I hold. call it the Gibson big six. I say, yeah. I say, the creme de la creme is the Les Paul. Then the Les Paul's brother is the um, mm. the SG. Uh, yeah. The Les Paul's grandfather, actually, I believe, is the three three five. Yeah, so three of them. Dates, and then yeah. we have kind of the new kids on the block, which we have the um, Flying V and the Explorer, which are very closely related. Came out in the same year, and then the Firebird. So that that's what I call the Gibson Big Six, and uh, I'm glad you represented one of them. At one point, though. One of these bands that you were talking about that was running around and uh, Mick Wall and others were capturing the uh, crazy rock and roll antics and moments of them was obviously my boss, Alice Cooper. And he obviously yeah. had some sort of a strong uh, impact on you, influence on you. Do you remember your first sort of taste of Alice Cooper? Yeah. Um, the first sort of... Um, the album that I, I mean, we were getting a lot of American rock through through the UK during the seventies. So Alice Cooper, of course, had appeared on on Top of the Pops, which was the music program in Britain. We, we didn't we didn't get out much, and uh, <laughs> so we we were very aware of Alice Cooper's music, but Britain at the time was very single centric. So they were they were so concentrating on singles, um, right. unless it happened to really hit big, we didn't get a chance to hear the new Alice Cooper songs. So it was very much a case of we need to get the albums, and the first one I I actually bought was Billion Dollar Babies. Okay, and, so yeah, and that one I just thought this is the epitome of the glam rock scene intermixing with the vaudeville, intermixing with all the, the darker rock that's coming out from Blue Oyster Court and from Blue Cheer and Black Sabbath. And it was kind of moulding it all into one package that you could say, yeah, I, I, I'm getting this, I dig this. And so I was, from I was there, a fan ever since. And, and from there, you were able to go back and check out some of the earlier records, which yeah. obvi obviously one of the biggest records that uh, seemed to have a huge impact and influence on you was the 1972 album Killer. And um, you recently produced a documentary about uh, that album, that said album, Killer. There it is right there. That's right, Amazing, yeah. great songs on that. Under My Wheels being one of them. Um, I just had that on one of my Instagram stories. And again, um, 
if you are listening to us on one of the audio broadcasts, we have a lot of nice visuals visuals that are happening up here on uh, our YouTube official channel. So we do want you to hit that subscribe button and go uh, hang out in the live chat room as we and sort of ask your questions for Carrie. And if you have any questions, obviously, about Alice Cooper's 1972 album, Killer, uh, two good authorities right here because I think I've played almost only, every song off that away, album. <laughs> fire away. And I'll do my best to answer if I can. Well, uh, you interviewed original drummer Neil Smith, and we were lucky yeah. uh, again to have Neil Smith on the podcast as well earlier on. But uh, tell us about this project and tell us about how uh, this album, Alice Cooper, or this movie documentary, Alice Cooper Killer at 50, came about. We were approached by Pale Wizard Records, and they have recently released a a tribute covers album of the songs from Killer. And as soon as I heard um, one or two of the songs from the promo that I got sent, I thought they've got it. They it would have been easy to rehash Killer. It would have been easy to get a load of A-list musicians in perform some tribute and sell it for mega books. That would have been easy. But now they got new hungry bands, just like Alice Cooper was hungry back then. Absolutely. Want, that's that's the album cover right there indeed. Um they're hungry for success and, and they, they've still got that edge. And I and we just thought we've got to do something with this. We've got to run with this but take it further. It's now good just talking about this this tribute album and then leaving it there because especially the younger audiences, they might never really go back through Alice's catalogue and check out Killer and Billion Dollars and Pretty's For You and see where it evolved into and evolved from. Yeah. So see I where thought, the roots, where the roots yeah, lie. Yeah, because yeah. It, it was a product of the earlier stuff that Alice had done because they were building up, I think, to, to killer. You could hear it sort of coming through the earlier stuff, but almost as if he was being kept back by the record companies and well, don't get too dark. Don't get too heavy because we're going to scare the shit out of the radio. (laughs) 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 And, And I think by then, I think they were ready to say, this is going out as it is, and people are either going to dig it or they're yeah. not. Um, well, I thought the cool, one of the, the the best things about it was that on the radio, when you listen to the songs, it sounded like a lot of straight-ahead garage, uh, yeah. garage band sort of garage rock, if you will, um, kind of rough around the edges, Detroit influence, obviously. No and, different and if I could compare it to any bands today, I would say it had a little bit of an indie slash vibe to it because, you know, there's a little bit of hives in there. There's a little bit mm-hmm. of, you know, heavier bands as well in it. Helicopters from the, from I'm just picking up Swedish bands because right now I'm recording to you from uh, the North Pole up here in Sweden. But, you know, I feel that on the radio, they had that, that sort of rock and roll identity, but, people hadn't seen them. And then once they saw them and they saw this whole visual element, it took it to a whole nother level. Yeah. I I think once people, especially once they started to see the Alice Cooper show stage show, 
that by this time was really starting to evolve and Alice really got into his stride. Um, I think it was the perfect time when the sort of visual cues of television was joining up with audio. Audio, yeah. I mean, this is years before MTV. Videos, Boys, MTV so or any type of They, they had yeah. seen this kind of thing, other than horror of Audeville, which see, inspires... Decades before social media, anything like that, of course. So, uh, entitled Alice Cooper, Killer at 50, there's another subtext to it. The tale of the octopus and the snake. Now, right. because you uh, got Neil Smith to be involved, I can only imagine that the octopus might have something to do um, with Neil Smith, because I, I know that uh, Bob Ezrin has referred to Neil Smith as, an, you know, what it would be like if an octopus played drums. Now, can you explain that title a little bit further? Uh, the tale of the octopus and the snake. Who's the octopus? We think we know who is the snake. You're absolutely correct. <laughs> and the octopus <laughs> is indeed Neil Smith. And when you watched him drum, uh, it was like an octopus, the way <laughs> he sort of did this. And it almost rolled off from the cymbals onto the snares and back on. It, it's like an octopus because there's, there's no discerning movement between rhythm and bass kick this just seems to roll roll around and but if you listen to neil neil if you listen to neil explain it neil would say that the uh he influenced the octopus not the octopus influencing him just so you know <laughs> there he is <laughs> yeah well I, I think it was partly because it, it, it was very influenced by jazz and big band drumming and they were great drumming showmen um as for the snake um it's, you, you could say there's two meanings behind that Okay. Um, the one meaning being that the snake that's on the front of the album was indeed Neil Smith's pet snake. And uh, he used to talk. I did not know that that yeah, was his I, pet I, snake. I, from the top of my head, I can't remember uh, the snake's name. I know she was female and I know she, so she had a girl's name. And well, it was the snake that toured with Alice for many years. We've had a lot of different and, uh, snakes that yeah, have done them. Uh, Boa Derek was one. Um, yeah. You know, a, a bunch of different snake names over the years. But I did not know that was his snake. pet snake. Yeah. And so, was. so was it Neil that got Alice into, uh, that basically gave his pet snake the audition to be in the show? Yeah, it was. Absolutely. It was his idea to, to play that. with play with the imagery, I think, of what a snake represents, a snake being the representation of biblical evil, too. also of wisdom. Yeah. Um, it's, of course, it's phallic as well in nature. So it, it worked well with some of the, the songs that Alice was doing. And snakes weren't bothered because snakes can't hear anyway, so they weren't. They don't know what's going on half the time. You but. know what? Do you believe that, Carrie Ann? Because they always say, "Oh yeah, cats, cats see you only see you in black and white, or they only dream in black and white." But but wait, you, no one's ever talked to a cat. Maybe maybe if a, a snake could speak, it'd be going, "Stop, stop doing that! I'm, I'm deaf. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's killing my ears." Mm. Apparently, she did live to to a ripe old age. The snake. And the other sort of 
something I took away from doing the research behind Killers and and the Alice Cooper band in general as it evolved. The Snake, I I perceive more on a, on a level of the industry, uh-huh. the way it was shaping the Alice Cooper band into what they wanted it to sound like. Mm-hmm. So what maybe he most? battled the snake every day. Maybe Alice yeah. was the pure apple. Maybe Absolutely. Alice was Adam and Cheryl well, was Eve. Oh, yeah. no, we're getting too biblical here. Hold on, <laughs> there's, folks. There's lots of, of ways of interpreting it, but you could argue that as Alice and the band were evolving into a, a commercial entity, they're all of a sudden the record labels were very interested in. As soon as they identified that Alice Cooper was the main guy. Um, it, I'm not saying, I mean, the rest of Alice Cooper band still love Alice and we know, we know they do and they don't hold anything against Alice Cooper at all for the band split. But the record company certainly has something to do with the band split. And that's kind of Neil's take on it. I see, I see. Well, yeah, and, and Alice, I mean... Very, you know, well played, Alice, I would say. But he, you know, taking that moniker of like, well, I'll be Alice Cooper. And then yeah. there you go. Boom. Which, it shifts yeah, over. He, he took it on and he, he took everything on on his own there. And absolute credit to Alice Cooper for creating an, a whole identity for himself. Yeah. And then finding new bandmates who understood what was going on in his head and what he wanted which was i'm always impressed at the lineups that alice was able to procure over the years um yeah i've been lucky to be enough of uh, you know be part of enough of them but i'm talking about those those ones that i learn from every single tour when whether it's you know a song off from the inside and we're picking out rick nielsen parts and steve lukather guitar parts or you're doing the 80s um sort of era where you can find great uh, guitar combinations and great, great guitar work from Kane Roberts as well. Absolutely. But, you know, but then to find, to have that original guitar duo that I was, you know, with, with, yeah, with Glenn and, and Michael, what a great guitar duo, but then to replicate that or take it up even to another level with Hunter Wagner with those two and then go on to make so many great albums. I, I'm very, always very impressed with, with the bands that um, Alice puts together. And I'm not just talking, I'm not saying because I was in yeah, one of those bands, cool. I'm talking before me uh, pre Roxy era. It's like, I'm just always impressed to, to learn anything that Hunter Wag, Steve Hunter has played on or, you know, the, the great late uh, Dick Wagner. But um, did you learn any of those songs? Because you were you started playing guitar at pretty the ripe old age of 16. Yeah. You had a crappy K guitar. Is that what it was? Yeah, what, it, wasn't, it wasn't that beautiful Gibson uh, uh, Explorer at no, that point. What, no, what is a K I, guitar? I, I wish it was. I wish it would have been my first guitar. Now, I, I actually went out to buy a typewriter for a course that I was due to start in the September at college. And instead of coming back with a typewriter, I came back with a K guitar. And this, this horrible little amp that sounded like a load of bees having sex. And but I loved it. And 
A yeah. load of bees having sex and an octopus playing drums. That sounds like a band right there. Let me tell it you. It could be. It's probably <laughs> punk, I would have thought. But it, yeah. yeah, so that was that. And then when I Did you learn any of these songs off of Killer? I did. I mean, one of the first ones I actually really got into was, was Desperado because I love wow. the light and shade. Um, just really, really got to me. And I mean, Ali, Ali stresses it up now as it's it's an ode to Jim Morrison, but I think it's darker than that. It, it's it's about um, loving someone who has a dark past, who has a dark nature, and some, that's something that's very it's very appealing, especially to girls. Of course, we always like a bad boy. <laughs> Alice is the ultimate bad boy I I love that song I get bummed out Whenever that song gets um, Suggested To get into the set list Because I want to do it so bad And I, I feel that we do it Really well Especially with this lineup With th- We get yeah. three guitars to sort of uh, Disperse the parts But then we do it one or two times And because Alice is He's so much into a crowd response. That's not, that's more of a song that the crowd takes in on a stage song. It's not that that, that they're giving out because it's more of a, you know, type of a dark, like you said, moody type of um, weird type of Western spaghetti, Western macabre type of vibe. And um, the few times that we've done it, you know, that we, we say, hey, let's do Desperado. And the house will go to the store during the day and he'll buy the big, you know, cowboy hat. And he'll go with, with Cheryl. They'll go out shopping. He'll come back with these props. He'll come back with this big, you know, Smith & Wesson 45 sort of thing. He's like, all right, I got the production ready for this song. We'll do it twice. And I'm like, eh, I don't think the crowd really, uh, really got into it that much. Uh, let's do Lost in America. <laughs> it's a more... I suppose it could completely stall the show when you play it because people then start to think, well, what's it mean? What's it about? Whereas that, that, isn't wheels, that the beauty of a rock show? Make people think. I think it is. It's a truly gorgeous song and it was so well written. Send me um, back in, Carrie Ann. Send me back in, Coach. I'm gonna I'm gonna go campaign for that song. If you in the that are in the live chat right now want to hear Desperado sometime. On the next uh, tour, uh, let's hear you in the comments. Let's see see if you guys want to uh, want the Alice Cooper band, the current lineup, to uh, replicate Desperado as just as great as the great original band did on the 1972 Killer album. We are here with um, Carrie Ann Grove right now. We are going to take a quick break right now, Carrie Ann, if you don't mind, okay, and uh, we will come back with a ton more questions, especially about what you're doing with your Rocks Network, and uh, perhaps we might dip our toe a little bit into the occult. Everybody, um, this is your choice, uh, Mr. Vic. You can put any one of our sponsors up, any one of those commercials, because I, uh, you're I'm hearing myself through these lovely biodynamic headphones and the microphone. You have a lovely microphone and a boom stand. So we're trying to be as professional as we can here in the trenches, folks. Uh, Appreciate you being around here. Uh, Hang out for two minutes and two seconds. We'll be right back. Come on. Hello, Ryan Roxy here, host of the In the Trenches podcast. And I also play guitar for Alice Cooper. I just wanted to take a second to talk about what mic you're hearing me speak through. 
what headphones I choose to listen to all my audio with. My go-to podcast and live performance mic is this TG V70 Dynamic Vocal Mic. And when I'm recording acoustic stuff, I'll always mic it up with the Biodynamic M160 Double Ribbon Mic. I listen to everything with the DT1770 Pro headphones, unless I'm out and about. That's when the Aventa Wireless headphones really make listening to music, podcasts, or any other audio app that's on my phone ultra high fidelity and latency free. Check out their official site or the links below in the description of this video to find out more about what makes Biodynamic a musician's choice in pro audio mics and headphones. Now, let's get back into the trenches for some more rock and roll. Enjoy the show. Enjoy the ride. Welcome back to In the Trenches. And I just thought of something, you know, that's a different microphone that I have in the commercial, Vic. We have to re- we have to retape that commercial because now this is the M7- M70 Pro. I got a new one. They sent me a new one, and um, it sounds sultry, doesn't it? It makes uh, the low tones lower and uh, the overall timbre quite nice. Welcome back to In the Trenches. I am your host, Ryan Roxy. We are here with Kellyanne Grove uh, talking about... Uh, the documentary that uh, she made uh, called Alice Cooper Killer at 50, the snake and the, the, the tale of the octopus and the snake. Now, was that done? Um, bet- did you and your husband have a hand in that or was that all you? Um, my husband, John, is the Roxy's um, key researcher. That is really, oh, lovely. Oh, that, that was our wedding day. Um, John is an avid researcher Um, if I send him on a mission to find out about things he's like a a dog with a bone and and he will dig and he will dig and he will dig until he finds things that we want to put on or he'll find interesting facts he also does uh, a lot of the song selections for Rocks Radio um, I'm 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 more the historian for the classic rock up to eighties, whereas John's very much what's now. He's very much into thrash finding metal, out the new band, metal, and you know, and he he can bring in the extreme elements for his show, which is metal madness. Um, so I heard that we uh, off each other. Now, does he call you Roxy, or do you have the nickname no, of Roxy? Roxy? Who calls you Roxy? What is that? That because Roxy because I, I was came, told that yeah. yeah, Roxy came about because when we first set up Rox Network, we used to um, go out and do interviews with different people, and we we regularly talked to a vocalist called Kim Izzard. And she's a solo vocalist from from West Midlands, and we've got to know her well over the years. And she started the nickname. She said, uh, "Oh, well, you're from Rocks, so I'll call you Roxy from now on." And it just, you know, how things just stick. And I thought, well, uh, well with the name Roxy, Roxy, I know exactly how things stick. I'm the one that, that invented yeah. that <laughs> for myself <laughs> many, many years ago and hoping that it would stick because it kind of, for me, it just seemed like a, a nice abbreviation of my my full Absolutely, born yeah. given name that has way more syllables and way more letters into it. Um, but with the Rocks interview series that you're doing now currently with you and your husband, um, what is your unique, unique approach that you have? Perhaps it is because your husband's into the heavier stuff, you're into uh, more classic rock or may, and newer stuff, but 
like what is that unique approach that you guys bring to the table? What we do, we, we tend to have, have team meetings because we've also got a lady who's very much into 60s. So she can bring in the real sort of roots of rock and Amer- Americana and blues. And and we we identify stuff that needs, needs, needs telling. It's a story that needs talking about. And then we take it from there. And John will do the investigation and find out what's going on and who's behind it all and find the relevant links for me. And then we'll start putting it together. Um, Some stuff's just short interviews. Um, If there's something that we feel a musician or a band want to talk about or want to share. I mean, I I was talking to KK. I did an interview with KK Downing the other week because it's it's not in the best of places at the moment with Judas Priest, but that's another matter. Um, Of course. But, um, you know, it, we do stuff like that as well, but sometimes we like to really See, go in on, on in depth. Now, when I had KK on, and you, we can maybe compare notes here on interviews and stuff, I, I was sort of preparing myself for a lot of priest bashing, a lot of bad blood. I did not get that with my interview. No. Maybe I wasn't because I wasn't looking for it, but maybe because it's truly not there. And all it would truly take is a little bit of communication, a little bit of good old communication. Cause we just had Richie Faulkner who kind of, you know, the other day um, when he was on the podcast said, you know what, if I just step outside the picture of thing, I think these two, these two parties could work it out, you know, with, without having to, you know, or maybe I could help be a bit of a an ambassador or sort of a, a diplomat in that sense. But it it doesn't seem like it's that far away from something resolving. I don't it know. certainly could be. It certainly yeah. could be. Um, from what um, KK has told me on and off the record, yes, he, he's he's got no no beef with Judas Priest as such. He's just a little hurt that. He's not wasn't asked to be back as part of the anniversary celebrations, and yeah, but he but he's got his own band now, KK Priest, and 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 they are damn fine, I have to say. And uh, who knows? Who knows? You know, even how it's like in rock and roll, this is, nothing's ever set in stone. So yeah, we could yep. well see a reunion. We could well see one. <laughs> That's like David Lee Roth. I, I don't know why I'm quoting myself a lot of David Lee Roth quotes these lately, but I just saw last night that he said, I'm, I'm doing a couple of years ago, he said, I'm, I'm announcing my final tour and it's going to be called David Lee Roth, the final tour until it isn't. <laughs> and that it is right. You're right. We're doing, we'll do a final tour until next year. Um, you produce a weekly radio show on Rock's uh, radio we station do, as well. Uh, what's the story there? Um, Again, because we we like to, well, I've got my show, the Roxy Show, on a Friday night, uh, but because ours are all stored online, people can download and stream twenty four seven, so they're not limited by any time constraints. Um, but there's my show, there's, there's my husband's show, which is more more black metal and thrash, on a Saturday night. We've also got syndicated shows as well. So there's, we've got a, a DJ that does a 60s show. We've got a DJ that does the greatest hits of each year from the 70s. So we, we try and mix it all up. 
Maybe um, there's a little home for, I don't know, Vic, I, I'm listening to this and maybe you're backstage listening to this as well. Maybe there's a little home for us for a little bit of uh, in the trenches. I'm not sure. Absolutely. Yeah. There you Absolutely. go. You heard it here first. Maybe it's a scoop. I don't know. <laughs> That's, that and there's the, the picture of, Oz, of Ozzy Osbourne. He's not in a wedding dress though, Vic. One with yeah. Ozzy Osbourne and Motley Crue in the toilets. Yeah, Vic just Vic just Googled Ozzy Osbourne toilet, and that was the first one that came up. Yeah. All right, you know how Vic, yeah. how is that going to get us on the Rock's radio if we don't get the one with the wedding, you know, in the wedding dress? <laughs> we got to have that. So speaking of photos and, and that uh, uh, eloquent photo that uh, Vic just posted up right there, there <laughs> yes. you go. There's Alice Cooper and uh, Boa Derek on the cover of Rocks magazine. Look at this. Rocks Media is everywhere. Maybe Rocks Media with Ryan Roxy as a little ambassador and in the trenches. What do you say? I don't yeah, know. We're campaigning. We're networking. We're doing it, it all. Um, the thing is about these visuals um, – you're into photography, just like a colorful, our, our colorful and storied producer. Wait, that obviously wasn't my words. That was Joey's words. Our <laughs> colorful and storied producer, Vic Chalfont. We understand that you, Carrie Ann, are taking photography very seriously. Have you combined your passion for rock music with your professional competence in Photography. You can tell I did not write that question because that is Very completely good. above my pay grade for actually verbiage. <laughs> but uh, well, yeah, tell us about your photography. Absolutely. Um, I think the two go together in a lot of ways. I love action photography. I love live photography. I love catching those moments at, at a, not just on stage but backstage and while the band's warming up and all those really live moments and i love catching them it's almost like somebody catching wildlife or something like that it's like yes i've got that i've got that image and then manipulating it until it looks like something that I, I like and the musicians like, which doesn't always necessarily mean the same thing, but, <laughs> <laughs> but it's much more about the candid imagery. I find that much, much more interesting for me as a photographer, but also for our, our viewers and our readers. I think that's and you would love before a pre-show. You would you would love it pre-show yeah, in an Alice I mean, Cooper show in in our dress room in the in the guys' dress room, which is me, Glenn, uh, myself, Glenn, and uh, Bisto, Chuck Garrick, and uh, Tommy Hendrickson, because we're just walking around, kind of being idiots pretty much all the time. And usually Tommy catches a good photo of me in any sort of given bathroom. I'm not on the toilet like uh, Ozzy was, but I'm I am. We thing. do do a, a series of shots. Um, in whenever we can find a dressing room that has a nice shower. Um, I don't know. We find something about those tiled backgrounds uh, being good. So I'll take a photo on his camera. He'll take a photo on my camera, which we actually mean phone. So um, yeah, it works out good that way, but nothing like our colorful and storied producer, Vic Chalfont, who actually does take a lot of great uh, photos, live photos of us he and he does seem to capture that live moment yeah um, a lot of photos that we normally have um on the show when it's a 
you know, featuring one of our band members, one of our current lineup band members or anything, basically Alice Cooper, Vic will put a picture that he's shot pretty much up if he can, if the opportunity's there. And there might be an opportunity, folks, to see some more Vic Chalfant shots, which will be tomorrow on the Reignite podcast, because I will be as I'm going a little self-promotion here, Carrie Ann. Sorry about that. But uh, I I, I do have to drop it because I saw in the comments that uh, they were talking about the Reignite podcast. I will be on the Reignite podcast tomorrow. Hopefully we'll see you there. It's going to be, I think, two o'clock or three o'clock UK European time. Uh, Just check our Instagram stories and check all of our uh, social medias. Of course, Instagram is where we frequent the most. That's at Ryan Roxy. Um, Let's talk about how people can get in touch with Carrie Ann, you and your social media and how they can find out about Rock's um, Productions, Rock's Media Group and you yourself. Um, Do we have Vic? There you go. Yeah, those are the best ways to, to, to get hold of myself and anybody who we're, we're, we're essentially a group of volunteers. We 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 don't get any money for rocks. We don't we don't get a, a, a payslip for rocks. So it's it's a network of volunteers. So that's the best way to get in touch with any of us or find out about what we're doing. And from there, you from the website particularly rocksnetwork.co.uk, you can access all of our youtube videos you can also access rocks radio directly from there and and the rocks magazine of course as well it's all online and we give it all away for free because that's that's what we're all about we don't make any money we don't care it's all about the love of rock at the end of the day well, there it is. Carrie Ann definitely passing the choice of rock on to everyone. And Vic, if you can put those uh, links up real quick, I'll say them for the audio uh, broadcast people. That's at uh, Instagram, Carrie hyphen Ann Grove. You know what? The hyphen thing, that's what was messing me up all week when I was trying to tag you. It, those little hyphen things. Yeah. But I'll tell you right now, the place to go uh, www.rocksnetwork.com dot co dot uk that probably has all of the links right there absolutely um, it does to our, our instagram as well where you'll see all of the photography that that, that we do live fans and there's loads of videos of of live gigs as well and we, we try to put at least two or three songs up from every show we go to um so that people could, can see especially new bands i mean we will go and also photograph and and, and record a song by the starter band, the the guys who open open the whole thing, because oh. you never know, you really never know whether they could be the next big thing. They they might they might, and you know what? Here's the chance right now, uh, Carrie Ann. Are there any bands right now that you've been checking out that you've been taking these low light photography shots of and and taking these uh, um, capturing the moment type of shots? Any bands from headliners to complete openers that you find is perhaps a diamond in the rough one band that i really think are amazing i know i'm biased because they're from the midlands but they are called devil fire and they they were picked up by planet rock and and radio shows a, a couple of years ago and then now the covid kind of dropped off but they are an amazing blend of the cult 
and classic rock era with some nice you know, juicy ballads thrown in for good measure and and the guys are self-photogenic and they've got that on-stage charisma so if you're listening out there people go and check out a band called devil fire and another hot band is called mercy and fire they're brand new and they have got all the hunger and anger of early Alice Cooper. There's just elements of grunge. There's early elements of punk and proto metal. They're, they're just so good. Devil Fire, folks, and Mercy and Fire, right? Mercy and Fire. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I love it. So there's two strong endorsements from Carrie Ann Grove. Uh, we have actually now someone that we'd like to pay tribute to because we think she's fire as well um it's our fan of the week right now so vic let's run the fan of the week and i will introduce our big fan Here at In the Trenches, we are always about uh, laying it out for the fans. And uh, Ashley O'Neill is our fan of the week. Every single week, she's been supportive. She's been gracious. She's always there. Um, we see her at the shows. She's coming to two shows on two different continents on this next uh, Alice Cooper run that we embark on uh, next week. So thank you very much, Ashley O'Neill. You are our fan of the week. And if you are interested on being a fan of the week all you have to do is support what we do spread it to all your friends and get everybody to hit that subscribe button which i never can point to the right direction but it's a subscribe button somewhere down there and just hit that subscribe button or get a friend to do it and another way to show your support and to uh, be eligible to be a fan of the week is to uh, support the Rocks Network and uh, Carrie Ann Grove and her husband, what they're doing together. And you know what? Go check out Devil Fire and tell them that Carrie Ann and In the Trenches podcast sent you. How about that? And, uh, and, and Mercy and Grove. How about that? And as well, now it's time to go a little bit. Well, actually, you know what? Should we ask a fan of the week? Uh, should we ask to let the people speak? Um, because we just had the fan of the week. Yeah, it's time for you people to speak. It's time for you people to ask a question for Carrie Ann Grove. What do you say? Fire away. <laughs> so there's just one question today, and you'll okay. see the way I ask it and the way it's worded. But it's obviously not me asking the question, but it's somebody else. But you, it's actually storied and colorful. I will give you a little hint. You say that on your website that the 80s rock and metal is your favorite and your specialty. But how would you compare music quality of the 80s versus the 70s? Or is the quality a bad word to use it when it comes to music? Fantastic question. Thank you so much for asking. That, that is a really good question. That is actually from Joey, our uh, one of our, our amazing sort of Svengali's that pulls a lot of the strings and helps us get thank, a lot of the you, uh, great it, artists. Very astute question. It is indeed. The 70s and 80s sound and production values were very different, I feel. The 70s was all about catching that raw sound in the studio. Four or five guys playing live, 
recording live and then having the odd echo or reverb later added on and some compressor for warmth. The 80s was very much the era of the producer. And although there have have been some amazing songs produced in the 80s, some of the finest rock and metal songs ever made were in the 80s. Some did become very, very overproduced. And I'm sure Alice Cooper would, would agree that once he started getting pushed down the route of, of poison and, and bed of nails, and, and there must have been quite a struggle at the time for him to keep the raw <laughs> rock and roll edge um, of his music and his lyrics when you've got producers and sound engineers going, let's add a bit more synth. Let's add a little bit more soft. Let's soften the edges. And, and of course, once things started to get recorded directly onto digital, Mm -hmm. we lost all of that warmth. Mm -hmm. They They had to add the warmth on using technology from the studio when they had it in the first place just by recording on analog. By the take, yeah, and the vibe. And, and do you think that because of the technology, things got, uh, the, the cleaner they got, the less vibier they got? They did, yeah. They lost, we, that was, of course, the ear of the power ballad, and um, mm-hmm. yeah, which I love a lot of power ballads. I, I am Winger's number one fan, I am. Honoured and part-time, ashamed to say. Um, but <laughs> I just love Wing. Of they've done some, some some power ballads that they now hate themselves. because they're so You were probably crazy. only 17 when you first fell in love with them, though. I was, and it was a hairy <laughs> chest, I've got to admit. I, I first noticed him, actually, when he toured with Anis. Because is. he was on the Nightmare Returns uh, tour with Kane. And he love was, at first was, bite. I guess that yeah. would be. <laughs> and I thought, wow. Well, I, I'll be I'll be really honest with you. Winger was just on this Monsters of Rock cruise that we uh, did just recently with Alice Cooper. Um, thank you, everyone that, that came out to the Monsters of Rock. A lot of great bands uh, participated mm-hmm. in it. Even one of the bands that were going to be going on tour um, in just a couple weeks, Buck Cherry, they were on that uh, cruise as well. But uh, Winger was one of the bands at the uh, cruise and... I got to be honest with you, the best sounding band of the cruise. They do kick ass. Yeah, yeah. It was in a really good show, and of course, I, I you know I have a special place in my heart for for Reb Beach. He was the yeah. first guitar player I ever played with in the Alice Cooper band. So, and, and such an, a great player, as well as Paul uh, Paul Taylor, and um, of course, I mean, what can you say about Kip? What can you say about yeah. Kip? Except Kip that Kip wouldn't say about himself. There he is. There's the man. See, I do, I do a great Kip Winger, don't you think, folks? I'd really do a great <laughs> Kip Winger. Hi, <laughs> <laughs> hey, Kip. What's going on, baby? I ain't phoning it in right now, buddy. I ain't phoning it in. I'm actually giving it my all. So here we go. We've found out a few things about Carrie Ann. Found out that her Rocks Network is definitely helping out uh, newer bands as well as yeah. carrying on the tradition and spirit of uh, more classic rock bands as well. So thank you for everything we do, that you do. And, it's uh, always our pleasure. 
but we've also found out in our research that uh, you are a noble of Daneland. I am. So of course, we want to more, know more. What does that mean? Um, well, I was born into paganism. I was born a pagan, and um, I'm actually an elder witch as well because I've worked my way up up the ranks. No, I'm I'm quite harmless, really. No, 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 but 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 how? Whoa, okay, Renaissance. This is not at a Renaissance fair. This is something more. Um, that is a, a ritual. Yeah, that was a ritual that was done. So, in your studies and work, you have been very much interested in the occult. Um, in fact, sources tell us that you have held the position of an elder witch. We have yes. to hear about all this. How does noble of Daneland and in being an elder witch? factor into your orbit right now in 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 britain there's there's been a long tradition of of witchcraft as of course in in the united states of course as well um and it has still carried on very much into modern times um it's grad it's now recognized in britain as a religion again thank goodness and I, I work my way up the ranks of witchcraft because of my experience and because of my training. And after you've worked for so long as a witch, you then carry the title Witch Elder, which involves a ceremony and, and gifts are given to you and you get a crystal ball and it's a wonderful ceremony. And then you, then you are a witch elder. So essentially you're put into early retirement and... Um, <laughs> because you've, you've done done your years of service as as, as a witch. Um, All right. I, I still I still do potions and crystals and everything when people need it, but I don't. I now longer run a club. potions. You said potions, Carrie Ann. <laughs> yes, is, you heard it his... on here. I yeah, witches do still do magic potions. Okay, now I have to ask because this will go into another area that we okay. like to infiltrate in the show is uh, never let the truth get in the way of a good story or fact or fiction. If I say a word, Ouija boards, fact or fiction? Fact. Fact. Ouija boards fact. are a fact. I love it. Okay. So are, are, are you being a, the elderly elder witch that you are, um, have you held uh, that many uh, rituals Involving a Ouija board? Never. Never. Why is that? Never. Is that is that does that get sort of passed on to someone else? Is there is there a Ouija specialist? How does that work? No, 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 not at all. It's it's there is a clear divide between mediumship, which is the, the, the contacting of, of the dead and seances and Ouija boards and all the rest of it. Um, whereas witchcraft is very much keeping the dead on their side of the of the the veil as we call it we we don't we, we consider it a bit of a faux pas to start pestering the dead because we we can't remember where we kept our keys and because believe it or not we do get people ask stuff like that and say you know I'm, I'm lost the house keys can you ask my granddad is that really how will your granddad know where your keys are <laughs> so we we don't really some witches do but on a personal level i i don't approve because you never know where that could lead you because they do work and don't pester the dead yeah that's, that's so, sort of a witch's creed 
Yeah, we 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 tend to leave the dead where they are, and we wait till Samhain or Halloween, as as Americans more commonly know it, October the thirty first, and that's our night when we can talk to the dead. We hold a dumb supper, and we if they they can cross the veil then freely, and we will talk to them, we will share wine with them and food with them. So your Halloween uh, celebrations are completely different than absolutely, uh, yeah, than some of the ones that I've gone on. Because I, I mean, last time I think I dressed up like you know that one 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 costume was really ridiculous. I dressed up as a sperm. I don't th- I don't see you guys going to costume parties and and dressing up as as as, as something ridiculous. I see you guys actually having more of a it's serious a, uh, yeah, type of ritual yeah. at that on that yeah, day. Yeah, it, it's it's essentially the original new year uh october the 31st was the end of the traditional year there was only 10 months before the romans and the gregorians stuck in two more months to make it 12 um so it's for us it's a combination of christmas and new year's day and all the rest thrown into one so it's very much a celebration but also a remembrance of, of people that we've lost but yeah, it's it's a very very special time for us. And I saw very quickly that uh, Vic had put some pictures up, and I think you already answered this question with our our um, talk so far. Um, potions and crystals; mm-hmm. those are facts. 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 Those facts. are definitely facts. All right. A lot of facts be going uh, are, are happening on on the uh, podcast today. Um, I, I might as well just throw one out there. It has to be fiction. Go, go for it. Uh, flying on a broomstick. Yes. Fact. Fact. Oh, all right. That's our. There but, we go. But not for the reason that you might think. Okay, please explain this one because I I was for sure that I had one fiction in there and that that like the broomstick had Not been at something. All. Not oh, at boy. all. Um all witches have a broomstick. And um, we 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 call them a besom. And it's, it's it is just a broomstick. You can get them from a hardware store anywhere. It's nothing special. We then give it a name and we dress it up we put ribbons around them and it becomes very much part of who you are in life it's always by the front door and it faces down if you want visitors and you face it up if you basically want to tell someone to go and do one and now they're not welcome (laughs) um but in the old times have you heard of something called flying ointment Flying We're going ointment. back into the land of potions here. Okay. Flying ointment was an ancient uh, cream that witches used to make, and it was deadly, <laughs> absolutely toxic as hell, and it used to cause hallucinations, and it used to make them highly sexually aroused, and the blood pressure goes up, and this cream, they used to rub on the broomstick and then ride the broomstick i that was that was their experience how how they rode rode the broomstick rode the broomstick (laughs) keep it under 18s and um because they were hallucinating like hell i mean it's, it's, it's the sensation is a mixture of 72 vodkas and magic mushrooms 
So for all intents and purposes, they really do believe that they're flying and they hallucinate. And then when they wake up the next morning, they swear blind. They've met in a woodland and kissed the devil's ass and <laughs> all kinds of weird, wonderful stories come out of all the things that they did during the night as they desperately try and sober up. You've heard the term so diamonds, are, diamonds are a girl's best friend. Broomsticks are a witch's best friend. Um, they certainly <laughs> were in the old days, yes. <laughs> now, um, I guess the broomstick uh, the, would be, the today's equivalent would be either a rabbit or a fleshlight, I guess. for Yeah, um, well, for that's where witch. the idea came from, pretty much. Well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now... With this, knowing that you were born into paganism and you are an elder witch, um, does your husband would he did that make him a wizard by proxy, or would that just, or, or is he part, like like part of the Adams family where they have the one cousin that that did that, that didn't look that did that didn't appear to be part of the Adams family or Not so. <laughs> no, my, my, we don't use the term wizard. Okay, um, so he's not a wizard. Now, that's very Harry Potter. Okay. Um, well, it's also a great a, band, a, a too. Witch, a witch is a witch. So men are male witches. And when I when I met my husband-to-be back then, he, he was so intrigued with witchcraft. He says, I, I want to learn. I want to I I be a witch. I want to marry you as a witch. I said, great. That, that, that's right. I'll teach you. And he's now a third degree. He's a third. He's a high priest, because uh, he, he's been uh, John. He, he studied. Like now, when you health. say third degree, now how many degrees are there to get there are to? Five. Okay, and it has nothing to do with like belts or anything like that. You don't get a different color belt like you would in martial arts, you or know, do you? No, it, it's you're probably seeing the pentagram. Yeah, well, I saw actually, you know, if we go back to that photo that you had of of, of, will, two, of you and your husband, you actually men, were yeah. wearing one. Yeah, yeah that's right. And um, the pentagram is very symbolic of your your rank at the time. When I wore that, I was a first degree, so it's 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 a standard pentagram like that. That means I'm a first degree witch. So if I see witches higher ranking than myself, I should bow or curtsy or at least show my respect. Then you get the second degree where the pentagram's turned upside down. And that's the, the common one you see in black metal bands where... Or Motley Crue. Yeah, yeah. But the, which a lot of people would say is the symbol of Baphomet and things like that. But it's not at all. It just... It just it it refers to your learning, your education in witchcraft originally, and then when you get your third degree, there's a little triangle that kind of sits on top of the pentagram, which then says, "I'm a third degree. I'm an I'm, I'm a high priest or I'm a high priestess. So I'm the boss of a coven." And you have and to. That's do what, and, and that would that's what makes you. Um, basically, the the elder witch, or or, or... yeah, you, you serve as a high priest or high priestess for some years, running covens, teaching others, and then if your fourth is very contemplative, almost like if you can imagine um, Buddhism or Taoism, where you go very much into yourself and explore yourself and your place in the universe, and the fifth is just a recognition of. Your essentially at your retirement. Aha. Uh -huh. 
So you have a pension. <laughs> oh, me. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I wish I had a pension for being a witch. Um, so, so one thing we have proven, yeah, we had so many facts here that I have, I, I, I myself was like, thinking, of course, that's good. She's going to say a broom is, is, is a fiction. But the one thing I'm glad we did clear up: wizards, fiction, completely fiction. fiction. Thank you. There you go. Yeah. Thank you for educating me on all this. Uh, all this stuff. I, I'm very interested in it. And, and it's just, it's been just as entertaining as talking about the documentary, Alice Cooper, uh, Killer at 50, uh, The Tale Between the Octopus True and the Snake. Album. <laughs> now, um, the one thing that, if we can go back to that picture that you had the pentagram on, yeah. I will say there is some sort of corollary that I can see because here in Sweden, there's a paganism type of ritual called Midsummer, and right. the, and yeah. everybody wears, uh, or a lot of the uh, females wear the uh, sort of headband that you see. What does that signify? Generally speaking. You will wear one of those when you are a, a maiden. Usually the young girls of the villages will wear those to signify that they are available for marriage, essentially, which I was on the day. I was I was far from a maiden, but we won't go into that. <laughs> but, but essentially, I was, I was available for the day to be married to my future husband. So the flowers was maiden flowers, so... That's that's where, where it comes from. So on usually summer is the common time for weddings. So maidens generally put the flowers on to say, I'm interested in getting a husband, and then the men usually run like hell. <laughs> I think what the, the, your whole story of not being a maiden at that day or was probably, you know, at an Iron Maiden concert years before, you know, literally. At a... <laughs> literally. <laughs> Carrie Ann, I love the fact that we've been able to talk about so many things across the board. I, I, I brought it up a little bit as a, you know, let me just, let me just dip our toe into it. And then at the very end, I'm like, and I can see in our live That's chat that. audience, they're very, very interested as well. Now, is that your cat, or is That's that? Some... That's our cat. That's my. That's my witch's familiar, which is another fact. What witches, witches, witches have black do cat? have a familiar? What now? A familiar is the... essentially it's what a witch talks to. It can be a cat or a rat or an eagle or an owl or anything that they feel drawn to, usually a black cat. You've seen Sabrina the Teenage Witch, I'm, I'm, I'm sure. It's a big show. Yeah. Uh, she talks to, to the cat Salem. Very true. We do talk to the cats. You know what? I might be a witch. I talked mm -hmm. to, talk to my great cat, Cindy, and I'm going to post something in just a couple minutes of how I have... <laughs> I am a witch. Is that what it is? Nick? I'm, a, yes. I'm a witch now. That's a fact. We are very good no. listeners, I have to say, cats. I'm telling you, my cat listens to me. My mm -hmm. wife says that, that I talk to my cat way too much. But, I mean, we, she just came back in the house, and we've been having these long conversations. Wow. Okay. Uh, it's yeah. a, a lot of things to reevaluate. But you know what? We have, uh, up until next week, I have a whole week now 
get prepared for this tour as well. Alice Cooper's yeah, going back yeah. out on tour, folks. Uh, and we are going to be playing a lot of the songs off the Killer album, uh, as well as a bunch of other Alice Cooper albums that we know you... And don't forget, uh, don't forget, girls and boys, Desperado. We want Desperado. Desperado. If you want to hear, that is, that is one of the things. If you want people in the chat, in the comments, in the chat, if you want to hear Desperado on the next... Uh, part of this year's tour because we're starting the first uh, leg basically of 2022 right now we're actually did we have one already no i don't know I'm, I'm i'm so confused now we've done a little bit of a leg but now we're going out uh, to do this next leg um in the states and canada hopefully we'll see you out there if you want to hear desperado you gotta dm me start following uh and basically you know what? Support Carrie Ann, of course, but uh, let's hear it from you guys if you want to hear Desperado. And uh, up next week, while I will be on the road, we will have a guest. Of course, we will have Stacy David Blades as our guest. There Very you go. Cool. That is next week as we have uh, as we will be diving into the trenches. Um, I know he's not a witch. He's a, he's a rock and roller. But do you think that a lot of these bands that have um, that sort of market themselves being, you know, the dark side and the cult. Do you think that they, they that a lot of them are, um, they're not, they're not completely educated the way you are, or do you, do you think it's more sometimes with some of these bands, it's more of just a, uh, a way to, 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 to grab an audience or to, to shock an audience or, or do you, th you feel a that lot these of it is is the shock value? I mean, don't get me wrong. There are a lot of of, of, of musicians who who are are into the occult, and some are are, are acknowledged Satanists, for example. Um, some do definitely dabble or have dabbled in the past. I mean, Jimmy Page is famous for his avid interest in um, the occult oh. and the works mm -hmm. of Aleister Crowley. Um, so it's always been there. I mean, ever since um, Robert Johnson, um, with the whole crossroads, yeah, crossroads, down at the crossroads. And ever baby. since then, it's been if you want to make it big in rock and roll, you've got to you've got to go to the crossroads or a crossroads. Yeah. And in some ways, it, maybe it is. Maybe if you want to be a musician, there is a deal that you make with. I'm not going to say the devil because it's not who it is, but you make a deal with the record industry and producers and mixers and editors. And with the snake. And you make a deal with the snake, with perhaps. The snake, and you just got to make sure you don't get bit in the ass. I got to go talk to my familiar right now. Yeah, I got to <laughs> I got to go talk to my, see my cat's gray. So, so Does I mean, a cat is a cat. The cat is a familiar, and she does kind of have an owl face, an owl head. I love it. Oh man, <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say uh, about. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm so now enthralled with this um, rock and roll and the occult as well. But um, what was I gonna say about Jimmy? About Jimmy Page is that? Yeah, I, I mean, so many of these bands have. They talk about it, but perhaps they're not as, like, like I said, educated. Like, like Jimmy Page's um, interest in Aleister Crowley would Aleister Crowley be considered a high priest, 
at that point, or is he even he, more? He was indeed, yes. Okay. See, so now I've learned about the three degrees and the five degrees. You don't get a pension if you're a fifth degree witch. No, Sorry. No. You know, maybe you guys should form a union, all you fifth degree I, I, witches I'm out there. That. I'm absolutely <laughs> all for a witch's union when we do get some kind of pension. But I um, love- yeah, I mean, at the time, uh, but you're right. A lot of musicians do dabble in it. And sometimes that can get themselves in. All sorts of psychological messes because they, they they start getting into into Ouija boards and into seances and um, and once they start dropping a bit of the old um, paper, then uh, you know all sorts of things come into their heads. What's dropping the paper? Tell me what that is. A bit of LSD. Ah, that's when it that opens interacts up with the psyche. So yeah, so. They can imagine they can see all sorts of things, not unlike witches on broomsticks. Um, oh. but, <laughs> <laughs> but which we did find out was a fact, a which, which was on that, which they would put that ointment, that um, ointment, which is yeah. which is a potion, folks, on yes. the broomstick, and then yeah. they would just flashlight all the way to. Absolutely. <laughs> Next thing you know, they wake up in the morning wondering where the hell they've been. But, but yeah, and and don't. But then again, you've got just as many rock stars who are Christian. You've got just as many rock stars who are, are well, Jewish. You made a or, movie about or, 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 Yeah. One that you yeah. just made a documentary about with Alice Cooper at 50. He's, you know? he's, a, he's a, absolutely a, a dedicated Christian. And I've got a great deal of respect for him for that. Because that's, it, it, that's his belief system. And it obviously gives him a great deal of strength. And, and really and truly, that's... That's the value of any religion. If it gives you strength and it gives you a sense of belonging and a sense of purpose and, and, and a moral compass, yeah. it doesn't really matter what religion you are. I'm going to look a little bit more favorably on witches from now on because of this talk <laughs> that we've had, Carrie Ann, because you did actually say that, you, you 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 know, there is a little bit of a moralistic line that you you'd rather not not go over to the other side and Absolutely. disturb the dead. Um, and unless it's a, you know, Halloween party, which your Halloween parties are completely different than the Halloween yeah. parties. That I've been, we, uh, we do abide by a strict code of conduct. There's a lot of things that we, we just simply won't do. Um, not dissimilar to the 10 commandments. I mean, there is the wicked read, which is essentially the same sort of thing that we, we don't do any harm to anybody. Because we believe that three things will happen back. So it's it's a self-controlling mechanism in a way. If you do something good for somebody. Three good things will three happen. Three good things back. So it's in your interest to do I like that things. one for three. If you do one for three bad, deal. That's a tipping point. Because one for two, a lot of people will say, eh, you know, it's yeah. only I'm only getting one at one for two. One for three, mm-hmm. people are going to definitely, you know what? I'm happy to, I'm, 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 I'm thinking that you have your coven like tight and in order you have it all Certainly in, did, in. yes yeah and uh well like i said good luck to rocks media group as well thank uh, you very you're much doing Ryan. the great work that you're doing and of course we will promote um alice cooper 50 uh thank the you tale of the octopus and the snake um and you know what folks this has been one of those more than interesting interviews that it started one place ended in another but we all did it together and again it's been so much fun ryan thank you
It's been great having you, Carrie Ann. Uh, again, big shout out to Ashley O'Neill. If we can put her uh, picture up just one last time, our fan of the week, Ashley, there you are. Thanks again every single week. We will see you a couple times on this next tour, and hopefully we'll see all of you out there um, on the road with Alice Cooper in the next few months, whether it's Absolutely. in the U.S. or Canada. And we're coming. We're coming there to the Midlands. Yeah, I, 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 we I, will please. certainly be there. And you know what? We're going to be on tour with the cult. Ooh. Ah, see, it's all, it's all connected. The occult meets the cult. I love it. We will we will talk more later. Uh, everybody, again next week, our guest is uh, Stacy uh, Stacy David Blades and Carrie Ann Grove has been our guest today. Folks, enjoy yourselves. Um, have a great weekend. I'll see you next week somewhere out on the road. Um, one thing before you all leave. It's good to be the early bird. It's good to be the early bird. I'm going to go talk to my familiar right now and uh, <laughs> stay tuned for that. Carrie Angro, thanks for being part of In the Trenches. Thank, Thank you very you much, all. everybody in the RGA. Until next week, enjoy the ride. See ya. In the Trenches with Ryan Roxy. Hello. Moby, give him his guitars back. <laughs>